Can changing your corner of the universe change the world? We think so. You've heard the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. But what does that look like? This is where we meet the people that are walking that out. One person, one idea, one decision at a time. Here's Baden and Rex. Welcome back to another episode of My Corner of the Universe. This week, we had the pleasure of interviewing Julie Sanderson from a really incredible organization, Patriot Service Dogs. I learned so much on this interview, not just about what they're doing in in their organization, but how they're helping out in so many other ways. Uh, Rex, what did you take away from this interview? Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's such a integrated program. I love how they've integrated Wolf into Patriot Service Dogs, which has inmates train the service dogs. So it gives inmates um, this real sense of uh, purpose and they get to learn new life skills. And then it allows the nonprofit to operate at a much lower cost and yeah. also allows uh, you know them to not, have to focus on finding full-time trainers that then they would have to pay um, because these people, you know, when you're incarcerated, uh, there's not much you can do, obviously. So I think it's just a, I mean, the aspect that she integrated everything, I think is amazing. And um, then she also has kind of a side set with Hales Angels where they just take um, rescue dogs, train them for eight weeks and then, uh, you know, give them back to be able to be adopted. And, you know, I think if you're going to get a rescue dog and having a dog that's already trained, how huge that is. Yeah. And I think you look at just specifically with Patriot Service Dogs, the whole cycle of how their business works. It's cool when you when you lay it all out linearly. So so you have a breeder who has paper dog that breeds their dogs and they say, hey, I'm going to donate, you know, one pup from this litter to Patriot Service Dog. So they donate this pup over. Patriot Service Dog gets the dog. They bring that dog at eight months into the prison and then so then the prisoners, these female prisoners are training the dogs. And then she talked about these weekend, was it weekend, it wasn't weekend warriors, but weekend walkers or something like that, that then the dogs go home, they go to families in the Gainesville or in that central Florida area, and then go back into the prison. The dogs are trained for two years, and then they turn around and they give these dogs away for free to wounded veterans. I mean, you think about how cool it is for the inmates, and the, we talk about that on the podcast of the benefits that that the inmates get not just uncompanionship being locked up, but also the fact that a few of them have transitioned their experience into a new profession when they were released, when their service time was up. The breeders super stoked because they get to see this dog from their litter do this really awesome journey through life and go to help somebody out. The veterans are stoked because they get this dog for free that helps them out in their daily life. Um, it's just such a cool aspect. All, all facets of what they do is is incredible. Yeah, it was really cool. And she said that all the inmates know every dog's name, which is, yeah. I'm sure it just brings joy to, to that totally. prison, you know, and just to be able, I mean, something about animals, they just bring joy to our lives. And, uh, you know, to be able to have an opportunity for these inmates to be able to do that, uh, it's so cool. And then, like you said, you know, our poor veterans often just, you know, get forgotten about when after they serve. So be able yeah, to give back. Issues. Yeah. She talked about how one of the inmates was like, kind of stopped them as they were leaving and was like, Hey, can I pet the dog? Cause she hadn't petted a dog for 20 years. And you think about, right. wow, like just the little things like that, that can make yeah. such a difference. Really awesome. And, um, 
I know that whoever listens to this, you'll enjoy the episode and please share because this is the kind of thing where, you know, you can really help out an organization like this just by sharing a podcast. Um, people learn about it and then someone might be a breeder that hears this and be like, Hey, you know what? I want to, I want to give to this organization or someone might be like, you know what? I just, that sounds like awesome cause. I want to be able to, uh, you know, give monthly or to adopt a dog. Cause she said you can adopt a dog too, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of a program. I think it was $5,000. You can adopt the dog. You get to be the one who names the dog. The inmates write you letters um, about the dog and its progress. Just a great way to give. Um, so yeah, like Rex said, share this episode, uh, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. So you get into the feed of all these awesome people doing awesome things. Um, you know, we always mention it. If you're listening to this and you have a great cause, you know, hit us up, hit us up on Instagram or on Facebook or email us info at mycornerofuniverse.com because we want to feature you too. It's what we're doing here is just featuring people doing awesome things in the world. So with that, you guys enjoy the podcast with Julie Sanderson from Patriot Service Dogs. All right. Welcome to the show, Julie. You are with, joining us from Patriot Service Dogs and also Woof too. Is that correct? Yep. All right. So Patriot Service Dogs when did you actually start Patriot Service Dogs? So this is actually our 10-year anniversary. Okay. We started back in 2009. Um, and we started Patriot Service Dogs first. And then it kind of morphed to include Wolf after that. So they, they work in conjunction then? Yes, absolutely. Okay, gotcha. I wasn't sure if they were separate programs or if they actually work together. Yeah, they're, they're the same. They're intertwined. They're interwoven. So for people out there listening, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Patriot Service Dogs is? So Patriot Service Dogs is an organization that trains and places service dogs with wounded veterans for free. So once they get to us for the training, we cover all the costs and um, and all of that is is free to them. So we've been doing that for 10 years. We've placed about, I want to say, 46 dogs, somewhere close to 50. Okay, wow. Um, and we have a commitment to those dogs for the life of the dog. So even if they got a dog at one of the very beginning classes, they, we still, you know, work with them, help them troubleshoot that kind of stuff. Awesome. You you guys have, I came across, um, what you guys do on Instagram, just for anyone who's listening to this, wants to follow it at Patriot service dogs, probably one of the best Instagram pages out there. I mean, these dogs wow. are so awesome. They're adorable. Wow. Thank you. Um, what, what was the original idea? I mean, were you familiar with um, training dogs in the past or what sparked the idea to jump into not just training dogs, but also, you know, patch or matching them up with wounded veterans? Um, so I founded the organization with another person, Susan Bolton, and she and I had both volunteered for multiple organizations, and we wanted to start an organization that just placed dogs with veterans. So, because um, a lot of groups do veterans, but they also do children with autism and diabetes alert and all of those, we wanted it to just be veterans. So that's kind of how we came to it. We had both volunteered prior and decided that the best way to make sure all the dogs went for free to veterans was to establish our own organization. So that's what we did. Yeah, such an awesome cause. Just out of curiosity, um, what's what's a trained service dog usually cost? You know, it's hard to tell because different organizations certainly put their own price tag on it. We're very lucky that our dogs are donated. 
All of our dogs are sponsored and we have inmates who do the training. So our costs are lower. Um, some groups charge $20,000. I've heard Whoa. veterans wow. say, you know, I just can't afford the $15,000. And um, and some organizations do, you have to have an application fee and then you have to have a travel fee. And um, it's our belief, and it has been since the beginning, that the veterans have done their part and now it's our turn to give to them. So we ask for nothing. That's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you mentioned it real quick about the inmates doing the training. Let's, let's jump into that because I think that's such a cool aspect of what you guys do. And that's the WOOF and a great name also, the right. WOOF program. Yes. So we, the WOOF program is Women Offering Obedience and Friendship. And when we started with prison, we were sitting at a meeting and the assistant warden just came up with that name. And I was smart enough even then to know whatever she came up with was what we were going to use. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I was like, yes, brilliant. Um, yeah. And it's worked really well. So our dogs all go into prison. Our eight-week-old puppies go into prison and are trained full-time by the inmates. Um, and there's two sections of the wolf program. So we have rescue dogs, with Hales Angels, which is a rescue organization in Gainesville, they give us dogs who we train for eight weeks. Those are not service dogs. Those are just adoptable dogs. But it gives us a way to see the inmates and make sure they have good work ethic and, you know, just kind of see their skills. And then we have a separate section where it's service dogs and the service dogs stay for two years. So um, two different parts, but we all work together. What was the uh, the just adoption of the dogs uh, called, that program? That's Hales Angels. Okay. So that's the group that supplies our rescues, and they handle the adoptions. All we do is sometimes what it is is that the dog doesn't walk well on a leash, or the dog is very, very thin, it's emaciated, and it has to be fed, you know, six times a day. You know, we're really good at doing those kinds of things. Uh, is there a certain kind of dog that qualifies to be a service dog or is it kind of wide Any open? dog can be a service dog. Ours, what we go for is like wheelchair height. So we have goldens, we have labs, we have mixes of the two. We have some standard poodle mixes. Um, but what we go for is wheelchair height so that okay. if they're placed with someone in a wheelchair, they're at the right height to hand them things so that when we, they retrieve okay. the keys, they can get them to the person. Hmm. Yeah. So let's go back to the initiation. You said you were in the meeting with the uh, warden. Where did this idea even come from originally? Was this just like some brainstorming of like, hey, let's let's see if we can, uh, how are we going to train these dogs? Go back to the initiation of how the program started. Well, it started with the idea that we could train far more dogs if we had, you know, trainers. And most of our outside trainers at the time worked. So they, we had dogs on the outside living with families, but the people worked. And at prison, it's about the only place where they have all day. Wow, they yeah. don't, they're not on the computer. Yeah. They're not on their phone. They're not watching TV. They're not, you know, their days are free to do that. Mm -hmm. So it works great because they have all day to train dogs and it is their job in prison. Some people work in the kitchen, some people mow lawns. Their job is to train dogs. It seems like such a win-win because, I mean, it seems like it's, it's a serviceable thing for these women to do. And I'm sure that there's a bondship, a kinship. Have you also noticed any women who have been released, like their time's up and they've gone into any sort of field oh, and use that as a reference? Too, yeah. yeah. So we have right now, I think 
maybe six or eight who have left the program finished, completed their sentence, and they now work as a kennel tech or run a doggy daycare or do grooming. So a lot of them get into that field. We give them a letter of completion of their hours as well as a letter of recommendation, and that helps them. It's hard when you have a felony to get a job. So this kind of gives them just a little bit better than, you know, I have a felony. But I also did this while I was serving time, so it helps. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's such a cool idea. It's just on all aspects, you know, like the dogs get great personal training. The inmates um, get to not just, I don't want to, I don't want to narrow it down, like just build a skill, like they're building a skill, but they're also building this companionship, you know, yeah. with the yeah. dog also that's helping yeah. them through their sentence. I, I'm sure I can yeah. only imagine that's going to help them out, you know, this, every, this, to be able to have that companionship with the dogs and then be able to turn around and and hand those dogs off and have them go to such a good cause of going to wounded veterans. Such a good circle of, uh, of generosity. And it's wonderful because many of the inmates say, you know, I've never done anything to give back. You know, a lot of wow. our inmates are addicts. And when you're an addict, it's a pretty selfish disease. Um, it's about you and poor you and what can mm. people do for you. And this is a way they can give back. And so they've been really proud of that. Um, and it also, we're in a women's prison, so raising a dog teaches really good parenting skills. You know, you have to mean what you say, you have to follow through, you have to be kind. Um, and we talk a lot about, you know, it's when you give a command to a dog, nobody learns if you're yelling at them. We don't learn, the dogs don't learn. You have to be patient and you have to find a way that they're going to listen to you. So it's great parenting skills as well. Yeah, How much interaction do you have to uh, have with the inmates? Is it weekly? Is it, I mean, almost it's daily. Of, daily, okay. <laughs> it's almost it. daily. Yeah, it, um, I'm given the freedom to go in, and I go down to the dorm, which is kind of unique to our program. A lot of people meet them at the VP. We go. I go down to the dorm, um, and early on in the Wolf program, we learned that they really suffered from low self-esteem and that they were proud of what they were doing, but they weren't really able to share it and talk about it. So we work on presentations and we work, um, they do book reports and anytime I can get them to stand up and show what they know, we really, in, we really encourage that. It helps wow. them know that they can get up and speak. And when they leave and have to get a job, they they're already used to kind of telling their story and talking. Um, it's hard. They're, you know, they're very regimented in prison. They don't make any of their own decisions. So when they get out, they're expected to do all those things. This kind of gives them the building blocks to do that. We hope. Wow. That's great. And so I take it that the prison in whole has really liked the program as well. Yes. I think in general, they, they like us. We're one of the, There aren't a whole lot of groups that come in, sort of just AA and NA, we go in. So we're probably the most annoying in that we have to bring (laughs) dog food in and crates in and take dogs in Uh, and out. Um, So from a security standpoint, I think it's more difficult. We're not just bringing in paperwork, we're bringing in stuff. Um, But yes, I think prison likes what we do. And they're also, we go to the nursing home. So the inmates load up in a van and we go to the prison nursing home. And that's a nice opportunity. It's nice for the inmates who are at the nursing home. And it's nice for our inmates to see that, you know, our prison experience isn't great, but it's not that, you know, that's far worse than what we have. So 
Um, and there's a nice story. One, one time when we went to the nursing home, we unloaded, we unload the dogs in a sally port and the officer said, could you just give my, this other inmate a second? And I said, sure. Yeah, we're, we're not in a rush. And she said, she's been in prison for 20 years and hasn't pet a dog. And so I said to the inmates, everyone pile on, let her pet the dog. So it worked. It was very nice. Um, you just don't think about that. You know, yeah. you're locked away from society, but you're locked away from warm and fuzzy and everybody yeah. needs that. So, yeah, I never would have thought about that. But you think about that, you know, if you're walking down the park or something like that and a dog comes up to you and obviously the owner's like, yeah, yeah go ahead and pet it. Like the yeah. first thing you do, you're like, oh, let me pet your dog, you know? Um, and you think about being, it's just so, so crazy to think about when you are locked up, the amount of things that you miss out on. And sometimes something as simple as being able to pet a dog obviously meant so much to that person. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And it also helps at visitation because the kids go through, you know, the same process that I go through when I go, go in. So they get pat searched and asked all these questions just to see their mom. So at visitation, our service dogs go with our inmates to visitation and it kind of lessens the blow to the little kids you know, they'll pet the dog and then they can take a picture with the dog and they, it just is a little easier to go visit mom if it's not such a sterile environment. So yeah, I think that gosh. helps as well. Absolutely. I would think that, I mean, you mentioned the security issues, but aside from that, gosh, I would think programs like this across the board and in, in every state would just have such benefits to the inmates and really everyone involved. I, I just think it's such a great the whole yeah. compound knows all the dog's name. When I take yeah. a dog out to go to the vet, they'll say, oh, where are you taking Charlie? You know, yeah. inmates that aren't in the program, they all know them. And so it makes it, you know, it certainly looks a lot nicer when you pull up and you see people walking dogs and people petting dogs than just prison. So, um, yeah, I think it, it is beneficial to everybody. What is yeah. the attachment side of thing? I mean, I imagine after two years, you said it was two years training for each dog. So yeah. I would imagine you get pretty attached to these yeah, the inmates do. And there's some tears when the dogs yeah. leave. Um, but also this, you know, they'll tell the dog, the inmate will tell the dog, this is what you've been doing. This is what we've been practicing. So, and the inmates always say, you know, prison's difficult for people. It's limiting. You're behind bars. Um, and that everyone deserves to be out. And certainly the dogs deserve to be out. So they've been really, there's a lot of tears, but in general, they understand that, you know, the dog is just training there and it has a life that it's supposed to take part in. So they're pretty good about it. I haven't had to rip a dog out of anyone's hands. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not in the future, but I could see it being tough. Yeah. But, the, you know, the good thing, obviously, is that it's going, you know, they're going to a good cause. So let's talk about that, too. The other side of it is matching up um, veterans and wounded veterans with the dogs. What's that process look like? So we take all of the veteran applications that we get throughout the year. We'll be doing it in March. And then we look at the dog's evaluations. So let's say the person has PTSD. You know, that's one type of dog. That dog doesn't have to pick up items. That dog doesn't have to necessarily open cabinets. Um, and then we have veterans who need a dog for mobility assistance. So maybe they're in a wheelchair and they need to brace on a dog to stand up or transfer to a chair. You know, then that person's height and weight really comes into play. And I need to match them with a dog that can manage that. So there's a lot of, we look at the, the person's disability and the dog's ability and we try and match them as best we can. That's awesome. What's the average... Um uh, 
work span of a service dog? So most groups say seven to nine years. So we're 10 years old and we're getting to that point where the dogs are starting okay. to age out. Um, and I've had a couple calls. I think it's a, a really difficult thing because what yeah. they're saying is their dog's going to retire. It will stay with them as a pet and they're going to have to learn that process with a new dog. So mm. we're talking about it, but nobody has said I'm ready. Um, and I think it's just, you know, I get it. It's hard. It's hard to trust another dog and, and learn all of that again with another dog. Yeah, I could see that for sure. I mean, if you've had a dog for nine years, that's been your right hand dog, you know, it's been there with yeah. you all the times, you know, if it's getting old, like it might not be able to do its service, but you still want that dog in your life to yeah. be right there yeah. with you. Yeah. 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 And we let, we have the dogs retire and then they're just home as a pet, but you know, they say, oh, they're going to feel bad when I leave without them and stuff. You know, it's the dog. I think the dogs would probably be fine staying at home, mm. but it's the veterans that are having, you know, we're, we're in the talking process, but nobody has said, let's do that. Yeah. But we try and work them between seven and nine years, depending on the dog. And for these vets, they have to apply with you. And so where are you located? You're in Florida. Is that where you're at? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so are all the vets that you've worked with up to this point in Florida? No, a lot of them come from out of state and they fly in for the training and then fly home or drive home or however. Right. So they have to get trained as well. That's a different aspect. Yeah. Really, the week-long training is not the dog. It really, it's the person learning the dog and learning the commands um, and how to work with that dog. You know, some dogs are sensitive, some dogs aren't. Um, so it's them learning the commands and learning how to do that with their dog. Do you ever have a situation where a dog and a, and a owner, they don't match very well and you have to, and you switch up the dog? Um, we haven't, we have had where the person's disability, um, got worse. And so having a dog no longer made sense because just caring for themselves was a hardship. And so we've had that change. Um, but most of the placements work and then the person falls in love with the dog. And then if there's any sort of tweaking we need to do, we go to them and tweak and work out how to do that. Um, Usually it's that their disability has changed um, or their situation, their living situation. They, you know, maybe they were married and they had a wife who assisted with their care and now they're divorced. And, you know, so we kind of have to move along with them as they progress. And is there a exceeding application rate to the amount of dogs that you guys are able to provide? Yes. So we encourage everyone who applies to apply at other places. I always say places that don't charge, but I don't know how many places there are that don't charge even Mm -hmm. an application fee. But since we don't charge for our dog, if you apply for us and we can meet your need, that's great. If somebody else can, that's okay too. You know, it's not, we're not losing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd love to be the person that helps, but the most important thing is that you get your dog. So, um, and it's those it's those difficult placements. It's those very tall, very big people that need mobility dogs. Those are the people that are difficult for all of the groups to place because there's yeah. just only so many dogs that are that big. Yeah, kind of following up on Rex's question too, because I was curious about that. I'm glad you asked that, Rex. Just kind of like in a perfect world, if we could wave our magic wand and say we'll give we can give you this, um, is it more more? puppies coming in that are going to start getting trained? Is it more inmates or people to train or like what would, what would facilitate the program? Even like, do you have a backlog on 
too many applicants looking for dogs or is there like, where's, where could, where would be the best um, resource to come in to help out? We definitely have more veterans than we do dogs. But when we call those veterans, oftentimes they've gotten a dog from somewhere Mm -hmm. else. So when we look at our list, it sometimes narrows itself down as we go. Um, As far as puppies, we're limited by space um, as to how many dogs that we can train at one time. Right now we have 19. We're picking up a puppy in Iowa next week. Um, So we'll graduate seven dogs in June. And that's kind of how we stay. We fluctuate between, you know, like 15 and 20, and then we're low right after graduation, and then we get new puppies in. But we're always looking two years out. So this puppy that we pick up next week is not going to graduate for two more years. Mm -hmm. So we're always looking two years out um, with the puppies. And what's the organization that you team up with, uh, with that part of it? For the the dogs to to get the new... For the rescues? Yeah. So any- our rescue portion in prison is through Hales Angels, um, but our dogs that we get, they're donated from different people. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, um, so yeah, the, the person in Iowa saw one of our dogs out and wanted to donate one. Um, we have a wonderful breeder in Tennessee, Country Goldens, and her husband served in the military. And when he came back with no scratches on him, Nine years ago, she said, I will donate one from every litter. And she has offered one from every litter since then. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to highlight that point. There's so many ways I feel like people can help you guys out. Obviously, there's money donations. That's always needed. I mean, you're giving the dogs away for free, so you don't have a revenue source. And we'll talk about that. I would like you to talk about any other volunteering aspects. But there are lots of breeders out there who, who might not be familiar with Patriot service dogs until now. And that's a legitimate way that they can really help you guys out. Correct. Is to say, Hey, I'm going to, we're going to donate a dog, a puppy. Absolutely. And we always, we always have a rescue in the mix, but we like for our breeders to have three generations back of hips, eyes, and elbows so that we know the dog Mm. that we're getting Mm. comes from a good breeding stock. So now we have had dogs from, you know, just a couple who had a male and a female and then they have a litter. Um, But we like them to know and we like to know that they have good hips, that cancer doesn't run in their line, that their eyes have been certified. You know, we put two years of work into a dog. So we want to make sure that we're starting with the best dog that we can. doesn't solve everything, but it solves a lot. So yes, donors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then volunteers on your guys' side, you have a section for actually people volunteering. How could somebody physically volunteer to help out? So our, we have what's called weekend raisers and they live in this area. So in the central Florida area, dogs go out of prison on Thursday and they go back in Sunday or Monday because we can only teach so much in prison. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have been in prison, but there are no (laughs) doors except the front door. Um, There's no, there's not a bathroom door. There's not a bedroom door. So doors are really Mm -hmm. important. There's no vacuum cleaners. There's no telephones. There's no, you know, it's, very limited. So our dogs go out every other weekend to weekend raisers. And that's always a way that if you were interested in helping, uh, we love weekend raisers with different things that they do. So a lot of our weekend raisers are retired, but if we had families, it would be great for our dogs to go to your kid's soccer game and Mm -hmm. to your kid's school play and those things. That's all helpful. And do you, if you were the weekend raisers, just for people listening, would you do that? Like, 
if you paired them with a certain dog, we'll say little Charlie, does that person keep getting the same dog every single weekend or do they switch dogs? No. No, because we have dogs that are just wonderful and everyone would only want them. Um, No, you get it. You go in the mix. So um, and also because we don't want the dog to just go to the same Catholic church, the same restaurant. We want to mix it up. You know, we want them to have different experiences. So we definitely rotate them out. Have you been doing that portion of it the whole time or is that something you kind of added in along the way? We've been doing prison for eight years and we have done weekend razors for um, the whole time. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So that they can go to Publix and the movies, you know, the dogs and the inmates are thrilled. They're always so excited to read in the journal what their dog did that weekend. Yeah. Um, It's always a nice, they, they love it. Oh, so the weekend razors do a little journal and write about where they took them to. Yeah. Yeah. So the inmate writes to the person and says, um, could you do these things this weekend if possible? So could you try a set of stairs? Could you go to a restaurant where they had to be under the table while you were served? Um, Mm. And so we build on what the dog knows and we tell the person that they don't have to do it, but there's suggestions. And then that person writes back and said, the dog did great in the restaurant or the dog was really nervous when we were mowing our lawn, you know, just gives us feedback. So we know next time what to ask. Wow. I, I don't know if you thought of this when you came up with this whole idea, but that's got to help out with the inmates trust issues and connection with the outside world. Like it's just another awesome side effect of what you guys are doing is that's got to help out with that. Yeah. And the, and at first weekend racers are really nervous. I've had people use aliases and stuff and, you know, and Mm -hmm. the, whatever makes you comfortable, but it certainly does make the, you know, these are the, their inmates, that's their baby and they're handing off their baby for a weekend. So they send lots of notes and it's nice when the people send back and they think, look what they did. That was so much fun. They did great on a boat or they did this. And it is a way for them to start dipping their toe back into society and seeing that you are going to be accepted. You know, you are, people are going to accept you. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be as difficult. It's not as scary as you think. So it is a nice way for them to dip their toe back in to society. Awesome. And so how far do you take the week, the dogs for the weekend racers? Is it just in how, like what cities ideally would you like to keep it in? We, we're near Gainesville and we don't have any weekend racers in Gainesville. That would be a nice, mm-hmm. um, cause there's so much, you know, it's very different in the, in Gainesville. We have a lot of weekend racers in the villages and Ocala. So mm-hmm. Gainesville's an area that prison's actually closer to Gainesville than it is the villages. So that would be great. Nice. I do have one more question on uh, Hale's Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are rescue dogs that are brought in to the actual inmates as well, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it's an eight-week program. And I would imagine that if you're going to adopt a dog, getting one that already has some training is probably huge. So do people just uh, usually swoop those up real fast? Yeah, a lot of them. It's funny because this last group is kind of brown hounds. They're not, you know, but they all were adopted at the adoption event this past weekend. Um, But yeah, they know sit, stay. And then if we know they have an issue, we work on that issue. So, and we have all day for eight weeks to work on those issues. So dogs who don't like a leash or dogs who don't want to be bathed mm-hmm. or dogs who don't want their nails cut. We can work on those things really slowly in a positive way. Now, is there an age range on those dogs? Because when you're getting a dog for a service dog, it's it's really young, correct? We get our puppies for service dogs at eight weeks. Um, rescues come from 
young, like nine month old puppies, which is about the age most people, a lot of people get puppies when they're eight weeks old. And then they're sick of them by the time they're nine months old. You know, nine month old puppies are a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And so people turn them in and surrender them a lot at nine months. So we have, we always have some nine month olds because that's the age where people are like, this is no longer fun. This isn't, Mm. you know, it's not a cute puppy. The kids are no longer paying attention to it. They throw it out in the backyard. The dog gets out. They surrender render it. So we always have a nine month old. At the moment we have, um, we always sort of have a geriatric case. And at the moment we have a gray uh, pit bull with one eye who has had a couple different tumors, some cancer tumors. And um, so we actually, (laughs) we were worried about who would adopt him. Um, And, you know, you're always nervous when you have a pity kind of dog that there's going to be a problem. So he's our dorm mascot. So Wolf just adopted him and now he's just king of the dorm just walking around so that he's an older dog. And we thought, you know, let's just let him be loved for the last couple of years of his life. and, And he certainly will be. It makes me, have you ever used a pit bull as a service dog? We don't use pit bulls as service dogs because there's a lot of breed bands. Mm-hmm. And um, and like, like if you want to fly with your dog, they won't allow, it's not only pit bulls. There's a, there's a whole lot of the typical breeds that you would expect. So yeah. we don't, just so that we don't train a dog and then cause a bigger problem for someone. Usually people with PTSD do not want to be confronted. So we try and do those fluffy kind of breeds that everyone's expected. Certainly a pit bull could be a wonderful service dog. There's nothing saying they couldn't be, but um, because of breed bands, we do not. Yeah. I always felt that with pit bulls because I have had roommates and friends with pit bulls that they're such loving dogs, but unfortunately they're such strong dogs that they're used in a negative way, you know, that they get a bad rap. I mean, I don't, um, yeah. but yeah, I've always thought, you know, if they're trained right, they can be great, great dogs. Oh, they could definitely yeah. be trained, but yeah. it's different. You know, if you were somewhere and someone's, you know, golden retriever turned around and went, you yeah. know, and snapped, you'd be like, Oh, look, it's upset. When it's, it's pit bull, all of a sudden you've got this whole different thought when it's the exact right. same thing. It's just Absolutely. them telling you they're done. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so, um, we do not, some groups do, and certainly they can be really great. I mean, there's such yeah. one person dogs that that make great service dogs. We just don't do it. Yeah, it's absolutely. And I totally get what you're saying, especially someone with PTSD to have a pit bull, just because the way people look at the dog and confront you, um, what, what is a, a good dog for somebody with PTSD? So our goldens are really great, um, kind of all around dogs. Um, the labs, if you're more active, a lab is fantastic. We have a lot of mixes, so it's a golden lab mix that oftentimes gets the best of both. Um, but we have found probably the, the toughest looking veteran we ever had, um, was very tatted, um, was, was a pretty tough looking guy, got one of our poodles and it got a standard poodle. And within like day two, he said, I wouldn't give her up for anything. I mean, he adores that dog. So it doesn't always look like it matches, but when we match what the dog does well and what they need, Sometimes, you know, it's not the right look that they're looking for, but it is the right fit. So is there a lot of interaction between you and the vet um, during that first transition period when they receive a dog? Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of... 
because we train them to open cabinets in prison and then they do it at the weekend raisers house and then we do it during training well that's not these people's kitchen and mm-hmm. so when they get to their kitchen they say you know he's not he's not doing that um so we have to make it so that it fits them at home as well yeah. And really, like if they have kids and stuff, you know, integrating the dog into family is a part that we talk about. But until you're home, it's kind of like when you have a newborn, it's great to talk about. But until it's in your house, you don't really know how that's going to work. So totally. um, we have to we have to kind of talk mm-hmm. about that. And and we give their kids a book about service dogs so that they have an understanding about service dogs. But even still, when you're home we sometimes have to kind of talk them through how to do things. Yeah. It's so cool. There's so many awesome aspects to what you guys are doing. There's so many great ways for people to help. You know, like we mentioned, if you're a breeder um, and you have history on your dogs, um, contact Patriot Service Dogs and t- think about donating, you know, one of your, one from the litter. And if you're in the Gainesville area, help out. Do you guys also for financially, do you have like an ongoing ambassador program where people give monthly? How do you prefer people for donations financially? Any way they want. Any way they want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah, so if they want to donate, yeah, exactly. We'll take have. it. We'll yeah. count them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So however they want to do it. We do have people who make monthly donations. We have corporations that make donations. We have just individual family people who make donations. Um, however that they want to do that, we're very happy. Um, if you sponsor a dog, which our dogs are sponsored for $5,000, you get to name the dog and you also get monthly updates with pictures. So the inmates write those and, and I mail them out and you get updates and see all the progress your dog. Wow, is that's making. very cool. That's awesome. That's really yeah. Cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I love it. I loved how you've really integrated uh, multiple facets to this program. I, I, the, the inmate aspect I think is fascinating. And then uh, unfortunately, gosh, our poor veterans are just so often forgotten and, I love uh, anytime someone's doing something for veterans. Gosh, I think it's just a wonderful program that you've developed here. And thank you. I, I'm really it's glad that we found you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for reaching out. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So anyone listening, go to Patriot Service Dog um, on S, right? On Instagram. Yep, dogs. Dogs. Yeah, PatriotServiceDogs.org, Patriot Service Dogs on Instagram. Follow them, share their content because I'm sure, you know, that helps out so much, you know, just, you know, obviously everybody loves adorable dogs, but it's not just sharing it and say, Hey, this is a great dog. It's spreading that awareness to the next people who see that post, because that could be a veteran, a wounded veteran who needs a dog and who didn't even know about the program. And he's like, Oh, I'd love to apply for that. Or it could be a breeder who wants to donate or someone wants to donate financially. So you follow the social media aspects, share their content, um, help them out financially if you can. Any other final words, Julie? Nope. Uh, just And also another part of it is if you're an employer and someone comes to you and they have a felony, it's nice to give someone a second chance. You know, our, our inmates work really hard. And um, that's another way you could help by just trying it out and seeing they would be, they would be wonderful employees and very appreciative. So it's a, just another way that they could help. Great. Love it. Thank you so much for taking time to join us today. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thanks. Yep. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. If you liked today's episode, you can find more information at mycorneroftheuniverse.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you. 
Today's episode was brought to you by DonorSea. Make sure to go over to the Google Play Store or iTunes and download the DonorSea app. It is a great way to give back in small amounts. It's a super fun app to use with your kids. You can see the different organizations that need help or individuals that need help, and you can donate small amounts that really make a huge difference. So make sure to go over to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and download DonorSea.